Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. You know that already. But today we have a very special guest host. It's Jody Lai from AutoGuide. Say hi to the people, Jody. Can I say hi to the human listeners? If you take a chance, you can you can do it. Okay, well, hello, human listeners. Nailed it. Well done. Uh, in case you are listening to this podcast for the first time, we don't always have to ask me whether or not you should say hello to the human listeners. You just do it. Um, and Jody is the director of editorial content at the AutoGuide group of websites and publications. She's a pretty big deal. Far bigger of a deal than Ben and me. Exactly. Um, Honestly, surprised so you said fact, yes. I don't, even, I don't even want to – I'm almost too embarrassed to say what me and Ben do at this point. But Jody's a big deal, so if you're listening, you should be listening for her and her all the credibility that she brings to our, our modest No, podcast. you guys are way too kind. You two are like <laughs> two of the most talented auto journalists and two of probably the best ones Ooh. in terms of writing, talent, and just like – Fun factor. You heard this right here I, on the 92nd best automotive podcast on iTunes. I, I happily accept the fleeting 56 minutes of credibility Jody's presence will give our episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, listeners, we have a bunch of really neat cars to talk about. We're going to start with the neatest of neat, and that's definitely whatever you were driving this past week, Ben. Well... You know, it is neat, and it's also weird. Uh, I was driving—no, let me—I'll get to that. I was driving the 2018 Mercedes-Benz S-Class Cabriolet, and I was driving the base model, which in the Mercedes world means the S560. And also, it was strange because it's also referred to as the F S560A on some literature. I don't know exactly what the A stands for. Jody or Sammy, you can help me out if you know. Did you drive this car in Canada? I did drive it in Canada. It was the Fonz edition. The F <laughs> it would or or it would be best if it just said like A like E H H on the back and it's like a yeah. Canada only model. But um no it, it's uh it's a turbocharged four point seven I'm sorry, it, it's the turbocharged four liter engine. This is the new one. Uh mm -hmm. it's about four hundred and sixty-three horsepower. It's rear wheel drive, which is not, you know, something you take for granted when you're starting to buy a large Mercedes these days. And more and more of them are going all-wheel drive only. And the top goes down, which is awesome. And I actually spent a lot of time behind the wheel, and the top was always down because that's how I feel you should drive convertibles. That's but the way it should be. Exactly, exactly. And I didn't have a lot of rain this week, so it made it a little easier. But, Sammy, um, how much do you think this car weighs? Uh, I know exactly how much it weighs, but I'm going to go with one ton. Two what? tons, sorry. Are they metric tons or non-metric tons? Non-metric tons. I don't know the difference, so I accept whatever <laughs> answer. <laughs> but uh, you're, you're 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 right. It's 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 actually more than more than a ton, more than two oh. tons. Uh, it's forty-seven hundred pounds. Is that right, Sammy? I have forty-eight oh two. Forty-eight oh two. Wow. So that's I think just a little bit less than a Jeep Grand Cherokee. <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise me though. I mean that's it's it's a big car. I mean you should be it should be a pound for every square foot you get in it. Right? It is an enormous car. Uh, <laughs> it's a four seater. Even though I you could put someone in the back, they wouldn't be super happy. What's kind Why of funny? Not? Well, it it's really tight. Like the 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 legroom is not amazing. Um, mm. just based on the seating position that I was in. Yeah, did you recline your seat all the way back? Well, I'm only five foot. Gangster? I'm only five foot eight, so it's not like I'm I'm crushing people behind me. But what was funny is that you mentioned talking about the rear seats. It, the car came with the Burmeester speaker system, and um, it has these two enormous speakers that are directly behind the rear headrests, just firing straight up into space. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. What is the because, point of that? There's, what are you there's, about? there's no point at all. There's for sure a point. Haven't you ever been stuck in traffic and there was that guy who was rocking so much, like whatever loud? I'm that guy, and it's White Snake. <laughs> and now it's you. You can be that. You can own the roads. Um, Auto, auditory spectrum. What I was thinking is maybe it's an option where you can paralyze drones that are flying over top your vehicle. If they're, you know, if you're being hunted That's by like, the paparazzi in your S-Class Cabriolet, there's a button you, you can push. You wouldn't get a cabrio if, that, if you were Yeah, you could by... just close the top and yeah. the problem would be solved. Yeah, no, but... I, here's the thing, though. I don't want the paparazzi dictating my lifestyle. Instead, <laughs> I've purchased this kill kill option that shoots, <laughs> oh. like, sonic mayhem straight up from the Burmeester speaker and just mm. knocks out the drone right away. And it, it doesn't really take into account where the drone's going to fall. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully whatever that 4-liter power plant, uh, that 4-liter V8 bi-turbo power plant, 
will get you out of the way before that thing hits you. I certainly and hope dents so. And dents your very expensive Mercedes. It's, How much is this thing? Well, it's 173000 Canadian. And, and what does it start at in the States? I think it's just about... Uh, $134,000. Wait, and that's for the quote-unquote base model. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure I, it would not surprise me if you could push this up to 170 US just based on options. Before um, even getting into the AMG model. Yeah, which I believe start around 200 if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm looking at the spec sheet for a 63. It's 180. Okay. And then a 65. Well, this is quite the jump. 253,000. And, and it's funny because the 65 is not that much faster in any meaningful way. And it's 70 grand more. Even though it has four more. It's actually slower cylinders. than the 63. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a prestige thing. It's just so you can say you have a 12. I mean, there's uh, not many but companies still making a 12. This No, I think this has a lot to do with what you mentioned earlier. It's really interesting that the 560 has rear-wheel drive. We were talking about the 63. The 63 has all-wheel drive, and the 65 also has rear-wheel drive. So there's this one model of the S-Class that comes with all-wheel drive. It's clearly more powerful and, I mean, clearly faster, even though it's not the most powerful version of the car. So what does that feeling of having a rear, a giant rear-wheel drive convertible, and I mean, it's more than that. The S-Class just represents so much um, status on the road. Well, it's a dollar does, car. It, does it work even in the base model? Um, it certainly attracts attention. I've had a few people tell me it looks a lot like the E-Class. Mm -hmm. I was at, when I picked up the car, it was parked beside an E-Class Cabriolet, and they're dimensionally almost identical, just visually. Like, I'm sure right. if you got out a ruler and whatnot, it, there's the differences that you'd find. But um, I don't know if it makes as much of a splash as it used to, as okay. the old, was it the CL was the old version? I feel like that was yeah. kind of a little more over the top, but this car is certainly very comfortable. You don't really notice that it's rear-wheel drive because it's very, very hard to break the wheels free, even with all that power. It's not really tuned to do that. And it's also not a very um, connected vehicle. It's It feels floaty almost all the time, partly right. because it's so heavy, but also... And the, I mean, that's the that's the base of all S-Class. S-Classes are not like sporty cars in yeah, a way. Yeah, I think They're that's what people to, want. Right. Like I agree. A soft, floaty ride. They Which, don't want to be connected to the ground in, or the road in any way. They just want this car to get them to wherever they're going. Jody, Jody the, have, you driven, have you driven the S-Coupe? I have not driven the S-Coupe, no. Okay, I, Sammy, have you driven it? Uh, yes, I have actually. I've driven an S560 Cabrio uh, last year during my Cabrio Canada tour around the country. Did you drive the coupe though, the, the fixed roof version? No, I drove the convertible. I had to drive. I'm just curious as to whether the suspension's tuned any differently, because I assume the coupe is a little bit lighter. I mean, not much, okay. but it's going to have uh, a lighter frame or whatever subframe assembly, and um, you don't have the weight of the top mechanism and all that. Um, but uh, the, the one thing that I really wanted to talk about, so I, I think the car, I, I think it makes a statement, maybe not as, like I said, not as big as it used to, but it definitely makes a statement. It's very comfortable. Uh, it, it looks great. And there's one thing, though, that I found very frustrating to use with the car, and that it has, the, it has the Mercedes self-steering system where it will oh, follow, okay. it'll follow along in traffic. So it has adaptive cruise control, and then you can at, push the button, the little steering wheel button, and it picks up the car in front of you, and it will follow that car, and it will also follow the lines on the road. Here's okay, the, great. So yeah, everything's fine up to that point. The the issue is... The issue is what? When you want to get off, when you want to turn it off? It's no, like, it, no, this is good. Well, you, you have to keep your hands on the wheel, which is reasonable. Right. Almost okay. every semi-autonomous system requires that of the driver. The the car could not tell when my hands were on the wheel and when they weren't, and uh, I drove you have it. Ghost hands, Ben. <laughs> I I do have. I am pale and I do have ghost hands, but uh, it was so frustrating. And I, I I did two, a couple of two three hour highway trips in the car, and almost every five to ten minutes I would get the warning flashing at me that my hands were not on the wheel. When in fact both my hands were on the wheel, and I tried experimenting with where they had to be. Like, is there a certain mm -hmm. position? Because I tend to. When I'm just cruising in a car like that, my hands tend to not be at 10 and 2. They're usually closer to the spokes. And okay. on the on the on the S class, the the, the I, if I remember correctly, the wheel is wood and it has kind of a leather wrap around the spokes. So my okay. hand was half on the wood, half on the leather, on the top and the bottom. And it didn't matter where I put the car. What what had to happen is I had to squeeze the wheel super tight, and <laughs> then it would say, "Okay, you're touching the car. You're you're touching the wheel again. Everything is cool." And then five to ten minutes later. I'd go through the exact same process. It never stopped. 
But you so, have to have a death grip. Yes, you have to be scared, times. so scared of what you're doing. <laughs> you could just do the old orange on the Tesla steering wheel trick. Is that what they did? Well, actually, from what I understand, many cars use what's known as like a, a torque sensor, and it has to feel some form of torque being applied to the steering wheel in order for it to acknowledge that your hands are on the wheel. That so, could that could very much be it, because if I'm on a long, straight stretch of road, I'm not going to be torquing the wheel at all. I mean, it's not yeah, like... The, the car doesn't your pinball. your hands in an even space, your hands are not moving at all. They're maybe perfectly balanced. You might have per- you might have achieved perfect hand balance then. Perfect ghost hand balance. Yes. It just has a light touch. <laughs> well, I, I've also read you can tape you can duct tape a can of Coke to the Mercedes steering wheel. Yeah, see, because that <laughs> applies some form of like force to it when it when it jiggles, right? Yeah, it, it, I didn't, you know, I don't live that lifestyle, so I didn't have duct tape and Coke on me. Um, and yeah, it's super t- classy look. You should try it one day. <laughs> on your on your S class, yeah. yeah, just strap oh, some duct duct tape and stuff to your beautiful leather wrap. <laughs> it's probably design. What is the name of how do you print? Okay, so I had a fight with somebody. Is it Designo leather or is it Designo leather? I can't tell. It was all over the car, though. Um, <laughs> I, I can't wait. I can't wait until we see Craigslist ads like 10 years from now where someone's got a can of Coke permanently taped to the steering wheel of their S-Class, their, their $9,000 S-Class. <laughs> I've got so many more questions, though. So first of all, why isn't the name of that steering system Steermatic, Steertronic Plus? What is it called? Because I couldn't find it. It's just part of... Distronic. I bet it has some weird German nothing. name. It's got like nothing. Active lane change. No. Active steering assist. That, see, oh, I, I want something more, too. But hold on. There's something else here called energizing comfort. Did you have energizing comfort? I. You know what? Probably. <laughs> oh, that's the one where it makes you do, like, exercises with your shoulders. Is it? While you're driving. Yeah. I, I, did, I did. So there were a couple of weird things, that other weird things that happened. Um, The air scarf. I couldn't yeah. figure it just came on at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Even it was though like, you seem cold, Ben. Boy, <laughs> it was so strange. It's, it's complaining about your ghost hand. <laughs> stop stop touching me and giving me no goosebumps, Ben. No input rec- uh detected. Um it, it just came on and I had the AC on like full blast, and then all of a sudden my neck is warm and I'm like, what's going on? And yeah, that's air it's air scarf time. But what was what was also weird was um, and this is actually a plus, but you know how m- many Mercedes, the E-Class, C-Class, S-Class, they have the the little turning dial for the command infotainment system. But above that dial, there's like a touchpad now, and right, it has yeah. it has like three buttons. And if you use the dial, you always touch the pad with your hand, and, and it does you ruin everything. You ruin everything. So in this car, the touchpad was completely deactivated. Ooh. Yeah. And I think they should all happen? come. I don't know, but I think they should all come like Maybe that. Maybe a drone fell on it after being dis- disabled from <laughs> Maybe someone order. dropped a can of Coke on it. I don't know. Oh, maybe. Yeah, spilled some Coke on it. Um, I wanted to ask you, did it have a heated armrest? Oh, I love those. I believe it did. Uh, I didn't use the heated seat function because Is it that was because there was a hot. heat wave? There's a <laughs> there deadly was a heat wave going deadly on? Deadly heat wave going on. It's, it's funny to laugh about, but yes, there oh. was a, it was a murderous heat wave. Um. But uh, no, I, I I love that feature too. I think that's amazing. I believe the seven series BMW also has that. So um, cool. So that's probably actually what I'm thinking of. Your air scarf, which to describe is not you know a mate like an imaginary scarf we get to put on ourselves. It's like this this vent that blows colder or warm air across your neck to comfort you in some way or another. Yeah, so it's it's basically just to make uh convertible drivers more comfortable in, in chillier temperatures. In the shoulder in the shoulder seasons, like yes. fall and spring. So I think that there's an automatic function for the heated seats and probably air scarf. And because you were driving with your AC cranked and it was like, wow, this person's probably really, really cold. It's, I'm going to automatically warm them up. Do you yeah, think because, it's that smart? Yeah. It, well, is that really smart, though? It's like, hey, the AC's <laughs> on, the guy's cold. How about I turn on the heat instead of turning down the AC? Like, It's it's like, let's let them fight it out. <laughs> well, yeah. I, it, it was so cold. The AC is so cold in that car that I had condensation and ice on the, uh, the heat the vents shit. on the dash, oh, even wow. with the top down. What? <laughs> yeah. That seems like a... Is that an over-engineered air, air conditioning system, or I'm just impressed. A I, it's exactly what I want. If if I wanted, if if I had my way, it would just blast me with ice water as soon as like I got into the car because it was a really hot week. I want. I actually want to know more about this. So 
you want to see air conditioning systems just like freezing over. You're like, yeah, that's how cold I need it to be. Yeah, right I, I want to be impressed. I spent $130,000, $40,000 on a car. I want make... an air scarf that blows cold air, first of all. <laughs> I want ice cubes. Yeah, yeah, ice scarf. That's what it should be called. Ice, <laughs> ice make... scarf Distronic Plus. Uh, speaking of ice, doesn't this have um, an intelligent light system with Swarovski crystals in it? Does that is that noticeable in any way? I didn't notice it. I what? that's I, supposed I, to I, differentiate the S class from the E class. You you have to stare intently into its headlights and tell whether or not they're they're Swarovski crystals. I Sounds never romantic. Been, well, it's I've nice. never been able to tell whether Swarovski crystals were were classy or kitschy. Like, what's the verdict on that? Oh yeah, but they're they're less kit they're less. Uh, blingy than diamonds, so I that think makes it's a them classier. Thing. You can just tell people, look at my crystal headlights, <laughs> and expect that they would be very impressed by it. It would be uh, cool if it spelled out my name. I mean, I would be into that in Swarovski crystals somewhere on the car. Like as a bat signal, like in the air? Yeah, exactly. Like, see, right beside those Burmeester speakers that are firing straight up, I want a Swarovski bat, bat crystal name blaster projector <laughs> thing. <laughs> ben... Um, uh, but yeah, that's a, it's 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 an interesting car. I mean, there's not a, it doesn't have a lot of competition. Can can you think of what's a direct competitor to this car? Um, six series convertible of some kind. Well, that which is like a hundred thousand dollars less. And not a hundred thousand dollars less. On the way, like, yeah. First of all, a hundred thousand dollars less. <laughs> mean, we have a thirty-four thousand dollar. All, right. <laughs> all right, it's a lot less though. It's it's under hundred. I'm pretty they sure. Say, they say the Bentley Continental GTC. I could see that. Really? Isn't yeah. the Bentley a lot more expensive? I don't know. I Probably, mean, maybe they're they're aiming at AMG's AMG S classes and not the. Uh, that the seems better aligned. The normal. Um, there's maybe the Maserati uh, convertible. That really ancient one that's yeah. been around since like 2011, Terrible. and nobody knows how to get one except for it sounds really good all the time. I think yeah, I think the I think the pricing is similar, um, but the prestige is not. It's Grand Cabrio. I figured it out. Yeah, it's a different type of buyer. I think. Um, it's. I think the the S class Cabriolet buyer is a little more conservative than the Maserati owner. There's some theories that maybe Lexus will be coming with a convertible version of the LC. Do you think that has it? That has what it takes to compete with something like an S class Cabrio? Ah, uh, maybe. I, I wouldn't discount it. it. I'd have to drive it. I don't think it has the same cachet, but it would it would okay. definitely if they do it right, it could look great. I, but the the S class looks great, but it's it's not exactly. You're saying that you're saying that it's losing its its visual appeal. Yeah, I it's think not the arresting. LC has that like yeah, and I think that's what some that's where Lexus can show up and and actually succeed in this in this arena. That would only have two seats though. That's so a if good you point. wanted like a full-bodied four-seat, uh, super luxury convertible, I really that don't think there's it. that many options. Yeah, that's a good point. So it's again, it's it's really kind of in a class of one almost this vehicle, which is interesting. And, and I'm happy the Mercedes makes it because I like big coupes and big convertibles. I think they're fun, and I think personal luxury is an interesting concept that was pretty much killed by the SUV in the '90s, but it's kind of slowly been crawling back to relevance. So as these car companies pour into more and more niches, I'm happy that this is one of the niches that's getting filled with interesting product i agree with you and i also really used to like the old cl like 600 which was like this v12 that you could get yeah and i always thought those were really interesting stately vehicles and it's interesting that you can't find very many of those on the on the new car market no it's right. it, it, i mean like you said but well, we talked about the six series there's this there's there's nothing else audi doesn't make anything in this size with two doors so it's uh and jaguar doesn't either now that the xk is gone i think the xk might have been a semi competitor but Again, uh, I believe that was only two, two seats. Two seats, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, that's really cool. I'm really interested in hearing um, what other people think about such a such a vehicle. We'll 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 get people to tech to tweet us and to Instagram you and do all that other fun stuff at the end of the podcast because we have Jody Lai here. She's looking. <laughs> she wants to talk about a car. Um, what did you drive recently? Really not <clears throat> as exciting as an S class cab. Mm. Uh, I recently was in a 2019 Jeep Cherokee. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, and this was uh, a refresh from last year's model, and it brought new looks and a new engine into the mix. Is what? that, like, so this is what I wanted to know. First of all, the Jeep Cherokee um, isn't the most affordable Jeep you can get. That goes to, like, the Renegade and the Compass, right? Yeah, right. the Renegade is the, is the cheap one. Is the and cheapest. then it goes Compass, and then it goes Wrangler? 
and then Cherokee, and then Grand Cherokee. I like the the, the lineup is a very. I like your voice keeps getting more and more high pitched as you like move through the Jeep lineup. The wagon, Grand Wagoneer. <laughs> um, and then like, where does the Cherokee fit? Is it just a baby Grand Cherokee? Because that's what I thought the compass kind of was in some ways. It is a little bit. Um, the way I like to position this is that it will compete with uh, Honda CRV, Toyota Rav Four in that segment, although it's like slightly more expensive than all of those guys. Plus oh. you get a you get the V6 and you can go off road if you want those things. If you want those things. Did you go, did you want those things? I did not want those <laughs> what things. What did you What do you mean? <laughs> I feel like people who are buying the Jeep Cherokee mm-hmm. don't go off road because if you want to go off road, you buy a Wrangler or you get the the, the uh, Trailhawk version of the Cherokee. In okay. which case, this limited model you that I bought model. doesn't really have a spot in in the Jeep landscape. Okay, so then this new refresh came with a new engine and a new uh, look. I think the look was a necessary part yes. of the Cherokee. So, like, I want to ask you, Ben, do you think the old Cherokee was ugly AF? No, I, I think it was what? definitely polarizing. Um, I didn't find it super ugly. I just think that it was a bold choice. Let's go with that. Um, yeah. So I was looking at uh, pictures of the old Cherokee and the new one side by side, and I kept finding details in the old one where I was like, oh, oh, God, why would they do (laughs) that? And I kept getting more and more frightened of what I was seeing. Um, And so besides the super squinty headlights that sat really high up on the grill, the actual like seven slot grill was pointed to look like a beak. Yeah. And it was just, there were all sorts of details that were not doing it for me. Don't you remember that nice, uh, trendy time in 20, whenever it came out, 2015? 20 beaks, whenever. <laughs> when beaks were all the rage? Everyone had a beak back then. Everyone had a bird car. Yeah. So this new one, it looks better, but it does also look a lot more generic. Oh. Yeah, it, I, I, think, I think I agree with you. Uh, I, I also think that part of the reason why the older Cherokee looks so... Um, um, I I can't even think of the word. <laughs> it stands but, out. Like I think that's the key. It's it does, and so it does, different. and nothing else in the Jeep lineup stands out. Like there, it's a very conservative. Except for the Wrangler, yeah. Yeah, well, the Wrangler is the definition of conservative. It's a vehicle whose general style has remained almost identical for 50, 60 years. So that's the market <laughs> you're dealing with, right? So when Jeep fans saw this new Cherokee, which was nothing like the box Cherokee of the past, right. they kind of flipped out. Right. That's a good, that's a great point. I, yeah. I I think that's um that's a problem actually. I find the compass to look like a baby Grand Cherokee, and now the Cherokee looks like a baby Grand Cherokee. And yeah, but why are there more beaks? Are we doing? Why weren't there more beaks throughout the interior? Like the beak motif just kind of ended in the front. There was like no yeah. beak vent. There was no beak seat headrests. There were no beak belts. It was but there like... was a beak themed uh, package. The Trailhawk. I mean, was a bird themed package. Bird it? and beaks are not the same thing, Sammy. I mean, it's so embarrassing. Trackhawk. Yeah, trailhawk. I think so. Trackhawk, trailhawk. Anyway, beak, besides girl. the looks, which will always be like a super subjective right. thing to talk about, they brought in a new engine. So they have a new two liter turbo four cylinder, which makes the Cherokee the only, you know, CUV in its class that comes with three engines. Huh. That's so a you good can, point. Yeah, that so you can get brain. it with this new turbo four cylinder. You Maybe can get the it with the Tiger Shark. I don't think. No, Equinox is just two now, isn't it? Just diesel and diesel turbo and, four. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so you can get the the old what they call it, Tiger Shark, the two point four naturally yeah. aspirated, and then you can also get it with the V six in the track. Sorry, Trailhawk version. All right. And so, so the trail, does... Trailhawk's the only one that has V six now, Jody. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting because the new two liter turbo four cylinder makes more power than the V six. Oof. And so for me. If if I want a V6, I have to get the Trailhawk, mm-hmm. and like I don't really see the need. And and what going back to the Wrangler for a second, does it have three engines or has the four cylinder completely replaced the V6? No, you can get you can still get a V6 in the Trailhawk. Okay, though, I, why did I think it had three? Never mind. Scrap that question. It was, it was completely irrelevant. For some reason, I was thinking <laughs> that there was like oh, you a provided second... great context to the listeners. Well, I think eventually there will be a diesel, a diesel right? and eventually there will be a hybrid. So maybe that's where you, that got. You got that from you got and, it, and of course a Hellcat broken embargo, Ben. There will definitely be a Hellcat version at some point too. Okay. Oh, I'm certain there will be. Um, okay, so we're talking. We say the the exterior doesn't seem to have as much charm as it used to. Charm? That's uh, the word you're going with. 
but you yeah. spent like five minutes trash talking the look of this vehicle and now you're like but oh, now it's, it's, it's kind of it's become anonymous that's what jody i'm trying to i'm trying to help her like come to a conclusion on this thing while we derail and go on a tangent every time well okay <laughs> it looks better but it's more generic the new engine is pretty good and it's the one that i would pick if i was okay. buying this car yeah um although in terms of driving dynamics everything kind of just falls apart for me there okay. were a lot of um, hard no's for me about uh, in regards to the Cherokee. Hard no. Yeah, just like no deal way. breakers yeah. for me. <laughs> I want to list the deal breakers. Deal breaker number one, what was it? How uncomfortable the seating was. Mm -hmm. And so I felt maybe I'm just too small. Like I'm not the size of the, the target buyer for the Cherokee, but nothing fit. Like I sat in this chair. I was lost in it. It was like tilting forward a little bit. So I feel like I was sitting in a kitchen chair that was perhaps two legs were longer than the other and I was leaning <laughs> forward. That's not um, great. I mean, these are family vehicles that are going to be driven by more than one person typically. So exactly. that's, that's not, I don't know if there is a, a demographic Cherokee buyer, but it's kind of unnerving to hear that, that you didn't fit in the vehicle. It was very strange. And then the steering wheel was like way too thick at 10 and two. Okay. So instead of gripping it like you would normally, you were just like squeezing the side. <laughs> You're like pinching. Yeah, like pinching it like a <laughs> like a crab or something. Um, and it's just the even the gear selector was was like comically large. It had oh, no that... reason to be that large. <laughs> it and has it did that fit huge knob on the top. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It just did not need to be that big. And I'm so... looking at a picture of it now, and it's super mid nineties. Like, yes. like I like when they thought more plastic meant more more luxury and prestige, and they just piled it on. Even though I know it's not plastic, it's like some kind of vinyl or whatever. But do you think it's because they think people are going to be wearing gloves when they hold it, like because they're outside doing rugged stuff? Maybe. I mean, they're... I They're think totally not, but... <laughs> I think having things that are, like, chunky and meaty kind of gives off that rugged vibe. But for most people, I don't think it really makes that much sense. Mm. Um, but the other thing was the driving dynamic. So for me, it was just very squishy all over. Um, but those are the characteristics that would make it drive better off-road, mm -hmm. um, which, which means that you have to make sacrifices for on-road driving. It seems yeah. like the whole Cherokee was built around it being a Trailhawk, like off, having a Trailhawk version. And then all of the lesser trim levels are, are not that great at all. They're just, they have no personality. They have no definitive reason to be. No. And the, tra the Trailhawk, on the other hand, is really capable. It does things that other cars in its class can't do. And it sacrifices the rest of the Jeep uh, Cherokee lineup. And that's cool. But for this limited model that I have, I just can't, I couldn't think of one thing besides possible off-roading that it could do any better than any other of the mm -hmm. cars that it competes with. You, you I know, think that's you, fair. Sammy, I just want to kind of back you up on, um, or back you down, I think, from your oh, last statement. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know one of those things was one of those things was supportive and one of those things was the opposite. But um, it it's just when you say that it's it's like a vehicle that doesn't necessarily do anything particularly well or well, it does not very distinguish at anything. That kind no, of describes like eighty percent of crossovers that are on the market. These are do yeah, everything. They're, they're meant to do you. everything. They're meant to be visually inoffensive. They're meant to fit a price point more than a style point. You know, it's it, the, I think this is we're starting to see jeep fitting into that mold too it's they, they've got to have a crossover that like jody said goes up against the crv and the rav4 so this is it and i mean a crv and a rav4 they're not exactly you know hot handlers either so i mean it, crvs have a ton of space and excellent fuel economy as well as um some pretty good tech for the values so, I, I mean I think I, i'm not saying jeep like, knocked it out of the park i'm just saying no, that's no, what, what I, they what were aiming at like, there's right. like a, I, I used to say like when you used to get a smartphone there would be a killer app of the of the smartphone it might be a function a feature something like that and i think every car needs to have their reason for doing what no, they did. I, I think those days are gone. I, I think that we have brutal. so many generic You just want to buy a car because it's that car from that automaker? It doesn't make any sense. You I think a lot of people do that, though. And they're just, like, brand loyal, so they'll buy anything that they yeah. put out, right? The, and, the Jeep X, the the <laughs> Honda X. You know, the, It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, and people will buy it. So, like, I don't... Mm. In, in general, I know I've been really harsh on the Cherokee, but, like, in general, it's pretty decent. Um, 
but if you're cross shopping anything, you probably don't want to go with this. And I mean, there's so many, like there are cars in that segment that do something really special. I mean, me and Ben have talked about the, the Forester. I thought was very interesting. It had yeah, a feature. You like it because of the rope killer robot AI that like will right. rule our futures. It's I, and, and we got a lot of harsh feedback about your love for our robot overlords, Sammy. And so. then there's other cars in that class, like the CX-5, which are really fun to drive and have beautiful interiors. And exterior. And exteriors. And then there's cars like the RAV4, which can come with a hybrid powertrain. So there's certain things that make a car reason, like they have a reason to get it. Yeah. But and those are, Jeep, sorry, go on. And the Jeep has this Trailhawk, which is the most expensive version of the vehicle and sacrifices so many other elements of it, I think. But I, I, I think you, you've, you've named four or five standout uh, models that prove the point because the rest of the crossover world just doesn't match up to any of that. I mean, a Ford Escape, it's great. It doesn't have a killer app. Uh, it's, a it's, Nissan, no, no, Nissan Rogue. Escape, what, Nissan Rogue is, yeah. is is another, you know, it's it's a great crossover. has no killer apps. It is interchangeable with so many other vehicles in its segment. Uh, you start to get into, like, nitty-gritty details if you want to decide which one's better or which one's worse. Okay. Um, but, like, from a design perspective, I mean, what makes a Rogue stand out? Absolutely nothing. No, but that doesn't right. mean it's not a good vehicle. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. Although I think for a lot of crossovers, I just can't, it's hard for me to find anything wrong with them. Like they're perfectly fine. And just by being perfectly fine, it's it's a good pick. But mm -hmm. with the Cherokee, there were things that I just could not get behind. Yeah. yeah and like, for that. example, the reverse camera randomly stopped working on me. <laughs> it just, it's so FCA, right? Like I want to, I want to see them overcome those reliability issues, but like, these reports happen all the time. And so the reverse camera randomly stopped working on me and started working again after I drove it a couple more times. So it doesn't surprise me at all. The last Cherokee I had had the automatic stop system when you're backing up, if it detects something oh in your path. Oh my God, don't even talk to me yeah. about that. And system. three or four times during the course of the week, it slammed the brakes on in the middle of an empty parking lot and scared the hell out of me because <laughs> my first thought is, oh, I didn't something. see something. Yeah, I, there was something there and I didn't see it and what just happened? And there's never anything. Yeah. So yeah, it's more of a it's more of a terror-inducing system than a safety system. I think. <laughs> well, which provides enhanced safety in a way. I get. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely more alert. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had issues like that with uh, with recent FCA products. I've had the opposite actually, where everything except for the camera stopped working. I would get the camera <laughs> to work, but as soon as I put it into drive, there would just be a black screen, and I was like, "What's happening right now?" Wow. So what's go like that's. Uh, that's when you told me about that. I laughed out loud because I was like, "That doesn't sound like it can happen." It's because just I had the opposite happen. Random with yeah. FCA, like when when uh, Sam, our news editor, had the uh, Challenger GT, mm -hmm. his screen would just glitch out all the time and get all like stripey. Like, oh yeah, he mentioned it. it had a bunch of like artifacts <laughs> yeah. and just stopped looking nice. It's so discouraging to hear that because UConnect is so good otherwise. I know. Like it's it so is by good. it's by far the best one. I think when regardless of how much money you're paying, it's it's right. it's a really great and intuitive system. Yeah, when it's working. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's it's it Sammy, your your story makes me think there's like a cheap Cherokee blackout edition where like they just black out all your screens <laughs> and then like a blind descends in front of the windshield and then on the screen on the dash it just says, Good luck. <laughs> and and you have to or it's like an escape room FCA product yeah, where yeah. the you lights go out level. and you you the have to locks find are all down. The trivia, all the Jeep trivia in it, like what, how yeah. many flats are in the grill. The last Easter egg you find is a <laughs> mechanical key that opens the now dead door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's very interesting. I, I agree with you. Uh, you keep you keep hearing all of these reliability reports say they're not uh, doing so well, and maybe you have a couple, like one or two glitches, and you're like, you know, that can happen in any other. Like we've had weird things happen in other cars, mm -hmm. but then when it's so consistent that during your week, your one week with the vehicle, something ridiculous like this happens, it's it's indicative of the of the quality. That's right, it's true. like the, it's like the Alfa Romeo Julia the, the, yeah. that, that was yeah. had so many like the last two years where every seemed every journalist who had it ended up stranded. Yeah. Um. I I fortunately was the exception to that rule. I wasn't stranded, but um. Ours every did the every, opposite. It, the alarm went off randomly a bunch of times. Oh, the one in California. Yeah. yeah but when I had the Julia here, it was fine all week. Nothing oh, glitched go. out on me. It was it was great. I think maybe it's my ghost hands that um, <laughs> <laughs> they terrified the Julia into behaving. 
Um, I want to talk about some more crossovers, but these ones have a little bit more uh, of an edge to them. They're luxury Wait, crossover. Yes. You got to say SUV, Sammy, for SEO purposes. Can you do that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> luxury SUVs. Excellent. Thank you. Uh, these actually come from two Japanese automakers. One, Acura. It's the brand new RDX. And then the Infiniti QX50. I compared the two. Me and Jody actually compared the two. And we came, to, we came away with some actually really strong opinions about them. It's interesting because both of these cars have been really radically uh, redesigned. They have new engines. They're new generation vehicles. They have completely redesigned interiors. And they both do very different things. That's, that's very true. I've, I've only driven one of them, but I'm very curious to hear what you guys think. So I took all of my thoughts on the, on the QX50. You, were, you heavily influenced my thoughts on the QX50 when I first you know, thought about it. I got in it and I was expecting actually um, that two-tone interior that you talked about. And I think Joe yes. has driven a car with the two-tone interior. And we didn't also, get that trim level. When Sammy says heavily influenced, I sent my spirit upon him while he was driving, and I just talked about the Infinity QX50 because that's just the way I get down. And it worked. It yes. totally worked. Now here we are. <laughs> the model we had didn't have the two-tone interior, but Aww. it was still extremely attractive. It was the materials used in this car um, are far more attractive than what you get in the RDX. Which is not to say that the RDX is not a does not have a pretty interior. It has a very different interior. In fact, it's very cluttered. Um, very busy. It feels like a spaceship in there. And well, how many screens does the RDX have? The RDX one. has one screen. Really? And because it's a pain a, in the. It's a, an actual pain to use. I can't. Well, because Acura has been doing their whole two screens on the dash, one screen in front of you thing for so long now. It kind of surprises me that they restrain themselves with the R RDX. I wouldn't use the word restrain because oh. in, in, in lieu of that extra sc screen. They have this new little trackpad system. It is oh, the no. worst. Ben, it it's, is, oh, no. it's so bad. So if you imagine a mouse trackpad and the way you're uh, accustomed to using it, right? So you picture the one in the Acura and you're using your fingers to, say, type out an address. Mm -hmm. And oh, the moment goodness. you take your finger off the pad, the cursor resets, resets to a, a, a center position. Yeah. Which means you have to you have not to. take your finger <laughs> off the pad to use it. Which properly. is frustrating. It's it takes such a it takes so much mental power to operate this trackpad that I cannot do it while driving. And no, then, it's, it's 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 you know we really need to address this trackpad thing because there are so many problems with putting a trackpad in an automotive environment. I mean, everything you just said times a million. Then there's the fact that when we use our laptops at home, we're not bouncing down a road. We have it stabilized on our laps or in front of us on a table, so it's so much easier to use. When you're driving and moving in G-forces and bumps, you yeah. can't use that trackpad. I mean, I can't. Maybe I ha maybe I lack the coordination in my go hands to properly interface with the Acura whatever but it's a problem I mean the Lexus system is we've talked infinite amounts about how Enform is terrible with the trackpad so remote we touch need to, right. remote touch whatever it is we need to have a, an open letter signed by every single auto journalist in North America asking car companies to get rid of trackpads and go back to buttons. I mean, yeah. dials are an, are an okay intermediate step, but the easiest thing when you're driving to not be distracted is to touch a button and feel the physical feedback of it actually being pushed. I had other issues. So there's not only one trackpad. There's actually a a um, a vertical trackpad next to the track next to the trackpad, <laughs> and it controls a smaller screen inside the screen. Wait, is there a third trackpad <laughs> no, to calibrate no, no. the other trackpad? No, there isn't. There is. Uh, there's some. If you open the glove box, is there section. another trackpad? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't check. But oh, that man. was really bizarre because I didn't realize that you had to use the other, um, the other vertical trackpad to operate the side screen, and that was really confusing. What's because the side screen? So you know how when you use a BMW, um, it's and a split screen. It's a split screen. You can put oh, other information okay. on the side screen. Yeah, because Jody said there was one screen, but I understand what you're saying now. It's split. So when I got a phone call, it showed up in that second screen, oh, no. and I and there's no hard button to actually answer a, a telephone call, not even on the steering wheel, which blew my mind. <laughs> I, I actually almost I, – I had a panic attack on the road. How do I answer this phone call? I ended up using my phone. I picked up my phone, answered it there, and then wow. – Which defeats the purpose. No, what was worse is it was like hand um, mobile mode, and all of my – all of the audio and – 
came from the phone. And I'm like, well, this sucks. So annoying. Breaking so the law. I was yeah. using this stupid trackpad to put in an address. This was and my word. passenger was getting frustrated watching me use it. So not only is it frustrating to the person using <laughs> it, it's frustrating to anyone else who watches you do it. Okay. It ruins everyone's day. It's a technology that just spews hatred and bad vibes. Like... Oh, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a trackpad in the trunk in the spare tire thing <laughs> to help you jack up the vehicle. It's like, no, you got to hold your fingers steady or it's not going to jack. I mean, so uh, I I there's the, I can go to I can go on forever about the RDX's trackpad. I, I have one more thing we have to say. If you need to enter in an address and you don't want to use the keypad, <laughs> you use the drawing, you know, like draw the, the letter out function. But if you put a number, it it thinks it's a letter. So when we tried to put um, the one, address one, of the auto guide on one one one, it thought it was L L L, and we're <sighs> like, no, this is not. This is not and happening. And I tried to delete it by doing like a side swipe with the trackpad, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it just put a hyphen. <laughs> so it will recognize characters and but, letters, but not numbers. Yes. Numbers are forbidden. It, it really makes me question whether actual human beings <laughs> test this product before it goes out into the world, or whether like the guys doing and girls doing the IT, whether they're just like, here it is, put it in, and, and Acura's like, thank you so much, you guys are <laughs> gods to us. But what's well, funny is that the Acura is not that bad. It's, it drives really well. It's got a great two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine that makes 272 horsepower and 280 pound-feet of torque. It now comes equipped with a branded all-wheel drive system as opposed to the old slip-and-grip, no-name system that they used before. Um, this is super-handling all-wheel drive, or shod, if you didn't want to say all of that. And it feels pretty good on the road. It's actually quite sporty and fun. If that's what you wanted in a luxury crossover or SUV, I think I don't think anyone wants that. Exactly. I agree with you here. What they do want that the Acura provides is a ton of space. And the Acura has so many cubbies and little secret ho uh, like holes and, and, and what's the word I'm looking for? Compartments. Compartments. Trackpad compartments. Trackpad. Yeah. Acura RDX. All the holes all you'll holes. need. That's the advertising campaign. Holes and trackpads. And even in the trunk, there's this hidden, um, these <laughs> hidden bins behind, underneath the. And they're the, huge. They're huge underneath the floor. Um, and they're called smugglers' holes, Sammy. Yes, that's exactly what they were, and I was really impressed with that. But in every other way, I would prefer the QX50, which was more fuel efficient, was more comfortable to drive, had a gorgeous interior, did not make me scream when I used the infotainment system. Now, it's not that the QX50's infotainment system is, like, amazing. It's not but very good. But I'm telling you, T, using T9 on a cell phone was e is easier than than using this, like, blindly is, is easier than using this Acura RDX system. Tell me, about, so tell me about the holes in the Infinity. <laughs> Definitely doesn't have as many holes. Ooh. There's no bin. Hole deficit. And no trackpad. So there's, there's that. Well, that's it balances out, I guess. Yeah. There's also um, something to be said about the um, safety features and the driver assistance features of these two cars. They have two radically different oh. approaches to what drivers are. Oh. The Infinity Assist actually helps the driver. It will guide very quietly, very gently the driver down the road and will ensure that they do not rear-end anybody and won't make them panic like they did. If, even in that Jeep when you were reversing, it won't just slam on the brakes and be like, whoa, saved your ass there. Why weren't you thinking about it? <laughs> it, will, it, will hit, it, will, it will slowly hit, trigger the brakes as needed. When it feels you very natural. It's very normal. The RDX... It always thinks I'm going to kill somebody. It screams at you. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, my God. Constant beeping about breaking, about leaving your lane. About, and you are nowhere near getting into any sort of accident. And it's constantly flashing this warning and alert at you. And I've never turned off the forward collision warning system so many times that I have in this Acura. I was so disappointed with some of the, the decisions that Acura made. And I wanted to like this vehicle because I actually enjoyed driving it, but these other elements of it were, as Jody said, deal breakers. They were completely, um, they, they completely took the fun out of the car for me. Not only that, it just makes it very hard to live with day to day. Yeah. Like, could you imagine paying extra for this system? And every time you get in. You, but then you end up turning it off because it ends up annoying you more than Every it helps single you. time you get in. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's it's frustrating. You know, it's you didn't mention the 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 primary talking point about the QX50. It's a the trick variable compression system. That oh, right. It has. Jody did a lot of research on this, and she can describe it um, way better than however you described it. Can you can you Jody? Okay, so the whole point of this variable compression engine, it's mm -hmm. a two liter turbo four cylinder, mm -hmm. but it has variable compression, and that means um, well that the compression isn't fixed like in all other engines. So if you if you picture a regular engine crank, it is a circle. Yeah, circle. And, I know that. Yes, and so the the crank in this engine is more like a like a slanted square. I'm gonna call I, it a rhombus. So <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually holding that rhombus in my hands right now. Okay. I have yeah I have uh, the the piece that Infinity uses in that motor okay. to to introduce the variable compression the, the the cam. I'm frustrated here not because Jody's doing an excellent job of describing this. But when she told me it earlier, she used the word rhomboid, which is a trapezoid and a rhombus put together, and that's how she described this. Google it. I swear it's a word. <laughs> it's one hundred percent a word, Sammy. It's a it, you know it, you're just upset because it's not a hole that's doing it. Like it's not a hole in the engine. <laughs> It's the variable compression hole where you just pour all the compression and hope nothing bad happens. Anyways, this engine um, is very uh, bipolar. It's It has two distinct personalities. It's either very fuel efficient or uh, not very fuel efficient. And that's the whole point is that it can do yeah. both, right? So you w can have this, high Wasn't Jody in the middle of like totally explaining that before you cut her off? Sammy? Yeah, yeah. She, she explained it as that when you need <laughs> more power, it goes into low compression mode. And when you need more fuel efficiency, it goes into high compression mode. Is that correct? And the rhomboid is what does that. It, it, it allows the... No, but it allows the, the piston <laughs> Sorry, to I be farther... I can't <laughs> think of anything when the rhomboid does anything. The, I'm holding the rhomboid right now. Put the rhomboid down. It doesn't no, work I can't. It's, that way. It 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 one hundred percent enjoys this consensual rhomboid experience. All over it. <laughs> but yeah, it, it lets the piston be close to the top of the cylinder or far from the top of the cylinder. That's pretty much the deal, right? Yeah, and so it ends up being you know a pretty decent engine that worked really seamlessly. It gave you enough power to pass people and get up to highway speeds without getting stressed out about it. Mm -hmm. uh, it did have pretty good fuel economy on the highway, but in Especially the city, it was, it was yeah. kind of falling apart. In the city, it becomes very aggressive. You need to when you're on and off the throttle all the time. You lose a lot of the advantage of this VC turbo. But that's true of almost every turbocharged engine, right? Like if you're if yeah. you're hard on it, you, yeah. you lose that. I was surprised that this didn't have a um, an auto start stop. I thought that would have helped uh, save fuel save fuel um, in the city. I think the Infinity could use that. I'm I'm, but I'm so glad it doesn't because it's honestly one of my least favorite car features. Okay. I don't. Love Although I will I will say the Cabriolet did it very well. And you know what? We found out after uh, half a week of testing the Acura RDX that it had auto start stop. It just didn't want to use it. <laughs> well, it knew your foot was. It knew your foot was always hovering right over the gas, ready to just <laughs> slam it down if it ever happened. So, um, and then the VC turbo has one small detriment, and that is the the fact that it's paired to a CVT, which can which can make itself no, uh, known in the form of noise. And this is something that I think Infinity should maybe pay more attention to in the next refresh of the car, and maybe make the the CVT a bit quieter. But other than that, I really, really enjoyed um, the QX50. It has a great interior and exterior design. They're killing it with that. And I think it just has less fatal flaws than the Acura RDX in this comparison. Definitely agree with you. I really wish Infinity would see the fruits of their labor when it comes to these interiors because I think the QX80 also has the best in interior in the entire Infinity lineup. It's just so nice, and it's it's so much nicer than the Escalades or anything from Mercedes-Benz in a full-size SUV, and yet no one's buying these vehicles. I was also dreaming about interesting Q, uh, Infinity vehicles, and I one of the cars that really caught my attention a long time ago was the – it used to be called the FX. 45 and 35, and then it got renamed yes. the QX50. And this was a really, QX60. Uh, no, the 60 is the three-row. The 70 oh, yeah. is the is whatever this car is. And yeah, okay, it sorry. was really attractive-looking. It had a great performance profile. It, it could be equipped with a with a V8 back in the day. And they have let this poor car kind of stagnate. And they have the technology to make this vehicle much better nowadays imagine well, you put that red sport 400 engine in this thing and the interior of a qx50 in it it would be really strong well the thing the the weird thing about 
the the QX70, the 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 Bionic Cheetah, is that it was such a bizarre vehicle to begin with because it, it rode on the same platform as the three 350Z mm-hmm. back in the day. Uh, it was rear wheel drive, and it had no interior space, like in terms yeah. of cargo. Remember how the QX50 used to be beforehand? Yeah. It was a real, it was basically a tall wagon, mm-hmm. and I liked it a lot. But there was no room, like for cargo, there was almost absolutely nothing you could put inside the back of that. I had one over the holidays one time, and I remember just traveling from to see family and trying to bring all my gear with me, even with the seats down. It was it was a huge struggle. So I think that part of the reason why that vehicle no longer really uh, is relevant is because um people are they, they want a practical vehicle they're not really super interested in high performance and that kind of killed the vehicle i think absolutely i also have one more thing i want to talk about it's not a car that we've tested but actually something really funny that came to came across the auto guide news desk um so it actually hasn't been published on auto guide yet so this is kind of uh this is a kind of yes. exclusive it is gonna it is gonna hit the uh the auto guide airwaves though it will the, the auto guide uh, news pages for sure it's from a company called Next EV, and it's a patent for their autonomous vehicles. So Next EV makes electronic, um, sorry, electric vehicles, and they have autonomous capabilities. They are supposed to be able to drive themselves and passengers somewhere. And they believe that if you plug in a, uh, an electric vehicle, there's a chance that there could be um, what they describe a thermal event. And if the car detects that a thermal event is going to happen, something like a power surge or fire, fire. Yeah, let's just call it what it is, Sammy. <laughs> okay, a fire. Then they will say that this car full of this battery technology could self-destruct. And in order to protect itself, its its community, and its, its, and its owners. owners or passengers, it will – this doesn't make any sense. It will autonomously drive itself to a designated self-destruction zone. <laughs> This is such a tragic story. It has you know, a suicide you know, Sammy, spot. You see those signs all over the city for suicide spots for cars. They're they're everywhere. It's like those tsunami <laughs> evacuation cars here. This is so insane. I, 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 I wanted, there's so many things I want to talk about. First because, of all, is uh, this necessary? Do we believe that we're going to live in a time where the electronic well, the electronic <laughs> car is going to be at such a risk of catching fire and blowing up that we need to have this kind of fail safe where they go apparently, and blow up apparently an unavoidable next... explosion i seem like this is just an insured scam waiting to happen oh totally like it's there's gonna be russian my homework and... my car killed itself my car yeah itself up. I there's gonna be I a whole russian dash cam industry devoted to cars exploding oh, in designated snuff- explosion el- areas electronic vehicle snuff films that's so well, cl- <laughs> clearly next ev feels that their vehicles are dangerous to the point where this is necessary <laughs> but th- there's a couple things i want to point out that, that are absolutely fascinating about this first of all i don't know if next ev actually makes its own car because they included the entire patent along with that email yeah. and on the very <laughs> first page of the patent there is an image of what looks right. like a combination between a uh, a Chevy Sunfire, a Pontiac Sunfire Chevy Cavalier, and a Porsche 944, and an FDRX7, <laughs> yeah. and it has it has a whole bunch of things pointed at it, like there's like all these identifying marks, but on the top of it, there's like a a 12 inch siren of some kind. <laughs> Like what? Are you looking at this, Sammy? Those are the, the autonomous uh, the sensors and the lidar and stuff like that. I can't that. stop laughing at this it's, thing. It's a, it's like what it's like what a low budget '90s sci-fi TV show would have as their autonomous car. That's exactly what it looks like. Look at the sweet this, wheels on their patent drawing, though. They spent the a sweet lot body of time. kit. Yeah. Oh, man. And there's so many images from every possible angle. So I don't think they build this car. I don't think anyone builds this car. Um, if you if you keep scrolling, it's very clearly a hatchback 240SX from the yeah, early 90s. That's it. <laughs> uh, but then I clicked, I went to nexttv.com, and it takes you to, there's like a, a, an image of four vehicles, one of which is an open wheel race car. And then you click on it, and you go to a company called Neo or NIO, and they have a seven-seat, high-performance electric SUV that looks exactly like a Volvo. <laughs> oh, that's so, one of the China ones. Yeah. yeah. So I, it, it seems like um, I don't know if these guys are partnered or if they're looking for partners, if they're trying to be like the Jack Kevorkian of the AV industry, where they're gonna offer other automakers the safe way to self-terminate. Um, but as we all remember from the Terminator 2 movie. 
uh, the the T101 couldn't self-terminate. Remember, mm-hmm. Sammy, when it tried to lower itself into that vat of hot lava, it had to have it asked <laughs> a boy to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a heart-wrenching moment for everyone. But so it's nice that in this case, it will have the guts to go through with what it knows has to happen when a thermal event approaches. Man, I'm really nervous about this kind of stuff. I mean, pair this with that, those facial, those driver facial recognition cameras, and then like I don't know, like. There can be like assassination conspiracies involved with all of this. So what is there's there's just so much can go wrong. I think here's a pretty sweet sentence from the from the email. If this happens when there are passengers on board, it will display warning messages telling people to evacuate. But it doesn't say whether it will keep going. Like it'll tell you to get out, but if you don't get out, does it still go to its its fire spot and just burn up? And then, then it's followed by, however, the system is designed mostly for situations where someone leaves the car alone to charge. And in this case, it will first disconnect the charging connection and eject the plug before finding a place to go before the car blows up. Oh Their God. words, can not you, mine. Can you, that, yeah, that's actually one of our editors at AutoGuide. Can you imagine you're just like, you just plugged in your car, you're talking to your friend, and then suddenly the, the plug just like pops out. And the car is like, I'm out of here, suckers. And you're like, well, there goes my new electric car car about to kill itself i better call the fire department what what else is weird is it keeps referring to this as a self-destruct system they literally say self-destruct in the patent but isn't it actually like so it's it's if it detects a fire it kills itself like it's it it doesn't it's just like oh there's a fire everything is lost (laughs) like well i mean unlike people you know we have fire extinguishers in our cars that we pull out and we put we hose down these fires Autonomous cars, they can't do that. They don't have, you know, the dexterity. or a So they go stop. all in. Yeah, they go so all like, in and I they just... That's it. <laughs> that's, that seems crazy to me. It also has sensors that will detect whether the location of free, is free of objects, animals, or people. They're going to go into the river for sure. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a whole, like, sub-business that emerges for, like, to retrieve the car. Yeah, I had, oh, oh, no, totally. I had my wallet in there. Totally. And and like what kind of crazy ass chemicals is this car going to be releasing into the atmosphere when it self-destructs? Wouldn't it make more sense to design a fire system that automatically puts out the thermal event rather than just like pushing the big red button and incinerating everything? No, see, Next EV is all about making money. And if their cars <laughs> blow up, it means that you're going to buy another one. And therefore, they're going to make some cash out of this. They know what they're doing. Oh, I'm, at, I'm, looking I'm at their, Jody's looking at their Instagram post, and what does that say? <laughs> 500 people killed in exploding EVs? Um, <laughs> 500 full-time employment. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. This, there's a really, I'm really deep into the patent right now, and they have a whole bunch of flowcharts about, like, how the vehicle decides what's going to happen. Yeah. And there's, like, it goes, like, detect power system fault, determine state of vehicle. Is an occupant inside the vehicle? No. End. <laughs> that's, that's what it says. That's, that need that's, that's the way it describes the uh, the unfortunate event. Yes. And, and then it has it, it has a feature called provide escape route information to occupants. And then if you scroll down, it has a little picture where it's like three passengers identified. Follow escape route exclamation mark. But that doesn't relate to anything. Like that's just text beside the already burning car. <laughs> really weird oh determine age and capability of occupant in risk location how is it going to do that facial recognition cameras oh you're probably right escape capability limited yes no wow if if you say no it just goes to something called one five two four (laughs) (laughs) if you say yes if you say yes it tries to help you but if no you're just you're at one five two four right away one five two four is another flow chart let me find it here (laughs) oh my god this is complicated oh you just passed it Determine location of occupant and vehicle. What? Oh, so does it deploy a robot arm to like, like, let's say you're a baby. Let's say you're a baby <laughs> and you're just chilling out. In your like, does it, before, the, does it help you leave as a baby? Does it provide like a series of baby friendly graphics that convince you to crawl out the window? Or like, how, how does it work? Yeah, they haven't thought this through. We should, we, but we have provided some pretty valuable insight to Next EV on their patent. And I can't wait for them, for them to get in touch with us and say, how dare you mock our life-saving feature. I can't wait for them to get in touch with us and provide us with a self-destructing podcast for those times oh, no, when no. Sammy's just Aww. tired of hearing about my tires. And your alignment, and just, for the love of... I mean... And he goes to a, a silent location where he pushes the button and everything is just instantly better. That's right. 
Um, it won't be this week's podcast. I think this was a pretty good podcast, Ben. I need to say goodbye to the listeners, and I'm going to do that by plugging Jody Lai. Jody, if any of our listeners want to get in touch with you, I would recommend that they reach out to you on Twitter. You have a pretty active uh, Twitter account, which makes fun of a lot of um, people's bullshit. That's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> I like to call out some of the random YouTube comments we get sometimes. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Driving Miss Jody. Nice. And I'm also on Twitter. You can find me at Sammy underscore ha. And Ben, he's on Twitter, but he doesn't like it that much. He says it's full of um, quote unquote terrible people. Honestly, it's a cesspool. But you can find me on Instagram and I'm at Hunting Benjamin there. Or you can email me the old fashioned way, uh, Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or Sammy, where else can they go to find out more about the podcast? I'm sure there's a bunch of places online. There's two more places online. They can go to our Facebook page and they can find all of our, in, all of our information and our prior episodes there. And they can also send us a message through Facebook. Or they can go to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. And they, uh, there's, a, there's a contact form there, so they can fill in. There is, and, and there's also all of our episodes waiting for you to discover. We have links to reviews that we've done about vehicles that we've discussed during each individual podcast. We have pictures of the vehicles that we have um, driven, and all sorts of ways for you to subscribe, whether you use iTunes, whether you use Android, whether you use something like Spotify. Those are all places where you can find Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Okay, so for next week, Ben, we've got some pretty busy stuff going on, and I'm not sure if we're going to be able to record on our usual time. Don't, don't say that, Sammy. We will honestly deliver, and there will be all sorts of fun things for us to talk about, including what are you driving, Sammy? I'm going to Pebble Beach. Um, I'm going to be driving a brand new Acura NSX, as well as the Lamborghini Huracan Performante Spider. Nice. Wow, so we got a lot of humble brags from Sammy there. I'm going to be going to Newfoundland, where I'm going to be driving the new GMC Sierra. It's uh, the completely redesigned Sierra for, um, it's been a while since we've seen a new truck from GM, and it's going up against the new F-150, or newish F-150, and the all-new Ram, so that's going to be very interesting. And very cool. And Jody, what are you driving next week? Uh, I have a McLaren 720S next week, which is also a little bit of a humble brag. It's purple. <laughs> so it can be seen from space. We should all catch up next week or whenever we can, whenever we're done driving all of these really sweet rides. And you'll but I want I, yes. I want to say thank you, a special thank you to Jody for taking the time to hang out with us and to brighten up our podcast and to give all of our listeners a chance to hear her opinions. Thank you Absolutely. for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks, Jody. Uh, it's I work with Jody, so I get to talk to her and hear her opinions all the time, especially when I'm wrong and when I don't know what I'm doing. Humble brag number two from Sammy, <laughs> I just said. So it's always fun to have her on the podcast. She says that she's been listening for a long time. Um, whenever she cleans her house, she says. Yep. And we appreciate <laughs> that. Thanks. So until next week, goodbye, everybody. Bye.